0: Care for a rubdown? And I need
1: all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Something special is about to happen. Are you waiting to receive my lift penis? There you are. No, it's better than
2: G'day rubbers, welcome back to the Weekly Rubdown, a podcast that rubs down everything NRL Supercoach Draft. You were listening to the Around the Grounds Rubdown, and it's just me, just uh, your host Natty for this one. Uh, So if you're new to this podcast, the Around the Grounds potty, um, it's a collaboration rub, a big Supercoach Draft circle jerk, if you will. Uh, It's to get a quick gauge on how some of the best in the biz are approaching their drafts this year, where their heads are at, uh, who they are targeting, who they like, who they dislike. Uh, It's always good to get some differing opinions throughout the preseason, so you're just not listening to us dribble on on the mic all preseason long. Uh, And this will get the draft juices flowing for your draft coming up this weekend or next weekend, no doubt. Now, we've, wa- we've asked these Muppets a series of draft questions. We'll hear from Big Will, Wilson from the Daily Telegraph, Tommy, the NRL Don, Brian Seney, the NRL Physio, Simo from the BDE podcast, and Hedo, the winner of last year's Weekly Rubdown Listener League. We asked them, what is their strategy for their draft in 2023? Their top three booms, top three busts, top three sleepers, One absolutely no go, no fly zone, no fuck away, never going to draft him. And one man crush, obviously someone they're going to move heaven and earth for. So let's hear what the lads have to say in the weekly Downs 2023 around the grounds rub. Are they on the money or is it more a little bit
3: like this? What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought? I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul.
4: Let's get on with a rubdown. Oh, fuck yeah.
2: Back again to Giddy's Rub On. It's the rubdown's very own draft headquarters consigliere. The man on the ground, the guy inside, Big Will, Wilson from the Daily Telegraph. What's going on, mate? Welcome back.
1: Yeah, thanks, man. It's good to be back here
2: making his rubbed-down debut. The most annoying bloke in the 2022 Listener League, The Pest himself, also reigning rubbed-down league champion, Hedo. What's going on, mate?
0: Not much, mate. Just watching the Brisbane Heat making their way to the grand final at the moment in the BBL.
2: Oh, boring, please. All right, back again. Don. Don Donnie Donison Don Eskerson, the lad with more names than he had 2022 wins. <laughs> <laughs>
4: oh, yeah, Tommy.
2: yeah. What's going, uh,
5: how,
4: what's going on? How mate? are we? How are we? And I'm sti- and, and you're still too scared to be in any league with me. That's how shit I
2: am. Uh, all right, we're here with the NRL physio, Brian Seney, the man who flips the scripts and actually rubs us down. How you going, mate? I'm, I, I'm talking draft
5: on a Saturday night, so what more could I want? Can't get, any
2: be- can't get any better, baby. Right here he is the front man, well the big swinging dick, if you will, for the Big Dick Energy Podcast. Simmo, welcome back, brother.
3: Good boys. How are we? All just you natty. <laughs> yeah. um,
2: hey. I'm going to call your podcast from from henceforth the Big Dick Big Dick Energy Podcast. You know that, right?
3: Oh, um, yeah, I'm fully aware. It's uh, <laughs> it's an acronym that you just have to go with, right?
2: And well, it fits perfectly to what we're about here on the Rubdown. It's I love it. First question we hit them with was, obviously, what their strategy is going to be coming into the 2023 season and how they're going to approach their draft day. Let's hear from the boys. Be formless, shapeless,
5: like Plato. After evaluating millions of pieces of data in the blink of an eye. That's what happens. Everybody has to game until they get punched
3: in
1: the face. Uh, usually, my strategy is just to, you know, prioritise, you know, obviously the first sort of round or two you pretty much just take the best player on the board. But um, if you can, while grabbing that player, you can feel your spine position. So your halfback, your 5'8", and your hooker, Um, I think uh, you're doing well. So, like, you know, first round, if you've got one of the early picks, obviously you're taking, like, the likes of Cleary and Nico Hines or Harry Grant, if if they're on the board for you. But um, I think the thing that I'll be doing differently this year is that... I'll be avoiding fullbacks early on, with the exception of Tedesco and Latrell. Mm-hmm. Uh, i have just, you know, looking at the numbers. Fullback depth is completely stacked this year. Like, if you're in a ten-man league, there is more than ten satisfactory fullbacks on the, you know, on the uh, draft board. So, uh, I think you can afford to wait extremely long on on. On fullbacks, like I'm just looking at my rankings now. I have Ponga ranked as my 10th or 11th fullback
3: this yeah, season. Wild.
1: So, so you, you know, the the fullback depth is just completely stacked. So I think the big thing I'll be doing this year is avoiding fullback early. Uh, and then I always avoid center wing and, and front rower early as well. I mean, like with the exception of Tino, Tapanay and Payne Haas, I would not consider touching a front rower in the first... Two, three rounds, and I never take center wings early, so I I wouldn't take a center wing, um, no matter who they are, uh, in the first like four or five rounds.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm on that as well. I don't usually look at CTWs to around yeah that five, six, seven mark. Front row forwards are the last blokes I pick. They're literally round twelve and thirteen for me. But that's an interesting take with the fullback. It is quite deep, and then when you sort of dive into that halfback five, eight. Um, spots. They're very fucking shallow. Um, and like I said, if you're not getting those top tier fullbacks, um, you know, and you're a little bit down further in the pecking order for your draft, say, you're eight plus, you know, you can link up a nice two RF with a with a half and that gets you started in your draft pretty nicely.
1: Yeah, 100%. You know, if you miss out on the likes of Teddy and Latrell early, you could end up with someone like AJ Brimson, Reese Walsh, Ponga, even Lachlan Miller looks like um, he'll be playing fullback for Newcastle this year. So, you know, those guys all averaged pretty well last year. So you miss out on one of the top guys, you just draft a gun elsewhere and wait on one of the gun, uh, like pretty good fullbacks later.
2: I like that. I like that. And what's your thoughts on the buys? So Wook and I have talked a little bit about it throughout the preseason. We're, we're sort of at the point here where we don't really give a fuck about the buys unless it's in your super coach. Uh, final system now you know if you run a final system from 23 to 26 you're obviously talking about the bunnies the cows uh, teams like that and for me I'm just avoiding early picks on players that play for those teams no matter who they are
1: yeah so I, I think obviously the, the week-to-week buys during the season I don't think are going to be that much of a problem uh, I mean uh, unless you're drafting multiple guys from the same team in which mm. case that one week is just a bit of a write-off for you, but um, on the other hand, like I think um, drafting a bunch of guys from one team—if it's a really good team and they don't play, um, have their bye during your finals—I um, think it's fine to stack up on them. You're sure you're going to have one week that's pretty much a write-off, but for the rest of the time they're on the field, you're going to be laughing. Um, but yeah, like you said, I think I think um, teams are really going to have to more than ever really, are going to have to pay attention to um, who they're drafting um, in terms of um, buys towards the end of the season, which will be during your finals. Uh, I mean, in the past, we've sort of thought, okay, yeah, like there's certain players that might get rested towards the end. But this year, you know, Mm. heading into your finals, which teams are going to be on the buy during your finals. So, yeah, like you said, you want to know your league settings and – Um, avoid the guys that will cost a lot of draft capital. And if you make the finals, aren't even going to be there. Yeah. And and the thing for me is because a lot of people say, oh yeah, but you've got to make
2: the grand final on that. It's like, yeah, okay, I get that. But if you do make the grand final and you spent your first pick and say a pick five or a pick six on Latrell Mitchell, and your grand final's in round 26, and you make it and you don't have your best player, you will be ruining the day that you drafted him. Yeah, 100%. So it's definitely something to think about. I'm just not going to touch him. I'll i just let someone else um, draft him, and then they can deal uh, with the drama that they're going to have with those resting and those buy rounds. Uh, and I don't care where, where they end up in value-wise. I'm just not going to do it, and I'll just focus my attention on... On some really good teams and players that play all the way through my SuperCoach finals, because I back myself to make the finals, and and that's what people need to think about as well. If you've been making the finals year in year out, you back yourself. You're a good draft player. Then that's what you got to think about. You got to start planning for those finals rounds because you know you back yourself to make them.
1: Exactly. I, I mean, it depends on your league settings as well. But if you're in a ten-person league and half of the league makes it, and you know you're Pretty, pretty consistently playing finals footy, yeah. Like you said, you just got to back yourself and not worry too much about the buys during the season.
0: Yeah, um, main main one is just don't draft a front rower. Just wait till the last two picks of the draft. I know you boys said in the front row rub, your last two picks are your starting lineup. I'd prefer to take a punt on my bench before I take a front rower. So we're doing eighteen rounds this year. The normal seventeen, we're going to add a. Bench spot just a uh, cover by. So my 17th pick and my 18th pick are my front rows this year. Don't care who. I love this.
4: Okay. It's different this year. Normally I go high ceiling guys in the first few rounds, Maybe for first round and then I start to be a bit of a bitch and, and pick, you know, I need consistent guys that are going to get me 60 every week and I'll be frank with ya, that's got me fucking nowhere. It gets me a few minor premierships, gets me into the finals and then what happens is the guys that have the balls to pick people that are going to have big ceilings, they win the grand final. So mm-hmm. my my theory this year is you need bullets in the gun. So I'm I'm drafting very high ceiling guys. I'm hoping to make the finals and then see what happens from there. Cause I'm, I'm really all in now. I'm, I'm sick of being there or thereabouts every year with a very good team. Like we went back to back minor premiers two years ago. Last year, I had a very consistent team, but Pappy done his knee. I missed fucking finals in the last four weeks. Uh, I'm done. I'm just going all ceiling all the time pretty much this year. Right. Sounds like your, your team's going to get a shot of the blue pill, you know, put a bit of I, lead, lead in your pencil. I th- that's, it needs someone has to do something. Something has to be done. We've been fucking treading water for five years. I'm done with it. Get a boy. Get a boy.
5: Mate, my strategy going into the 2023 draft is the same as every draft. So I draft for high upside for the finals. I back myself in a lot of leagues to try and make the finals. Um, I'm not. I'm not drafting to make the finals. I'm drafting to win the comp. I don't really care about. Where, like coming third or fourth or winning the minor premiership or whatever. I've got some leagues where they, you know, even like, you know, give the minor premiership sort of more more credence than uh, than the the granny. But for me, I'm like fantasy is about fun. It's, you know, you've got to you know, get into it from that perspective. So, yeah, I'm all about upside for the finals. It's why I'm probably not touching Luttrell in some leagues this year because he won't be
2: available. But, uh, yeah, high upside for finals is where I'm at. I love that. That's a big dick energy from you. Just like, look, I'm going to be in the finals. I'm most likely going to be in the grand final. I need the big dicks playing for my side. Big time. (laughs) Yeah.
3: Yeah, mate. It's an interesting season this year. Uh, For me personally, I just feel like it's, especially at the hooker position, it's like Harry Grand or bust really. So if you can't sort of knock him out in the first round, I'm probably going to wait on the hooker spot. It's sort of, a, I guess, a, a strategy that everyone adopts these days, and I'm not. I'm probably not looking to take a front rower early on. Probably it, even Ipap, you know, oh, sorry, not Ipap, uh, Tino being the, my top-ranked front row forward. Rounds one to three, like, I'm probably just not going there. I'd rather shoot for a bit of upside in a different position. So, yeah, to summarise, it's kind of just fullback, hooker, half-back sort of early on and just try and fill it out from there. Um might try and grab a two RF, sort of rounds two or three, but yeah, front rows stay away. As 5'8", I'm actually sort of a bit of a believer that it's a deeper position than it has been in mm. years gone by. It's kind of snuck up on me a little bit, just the fact that for me, I've got Luke Keary, Thomas Deirdre, and as my ninth and tenth ranked. So if you're in a 10-man league, I'm actually pretty happy with one of those guys being my starter, if I have to be so. As much as I, they're, they're sexy names, Munsters, Browns, Burtons, Deweys, even Cody Walker for a bounce back, um, if I miss out on a, an elite 5.8 early, it's not panic stations for me. So uh, that's not to say I'm going to just avoid 5.8s at all, but I'm not stressing if that's sort of the way to describe it. So that's kind of my general strategy. Um, but, yeah, I mean, a juicy CTW like Joey Manu, if you can get him sort of late round one, I mean – if, if God forbid, if Teddy ever gets injured, mate, that's a that's a league winner already, right there. So, um plenty of options. Always lots of different ways to skin a cat and draft. But that's sort of my outlook, anyway.
2: Yeah, it's sort of like that thing. It's um Mike Tyson said it best. Everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the face, and that's pretty much how most drafts go for me. You know, I've got the best plan in the world. Come back end of round two i'm just yeah i'm just yeah hands hands are up i'm just i'm just punching whatever i see, whatever comes up next um yeah so so, but it is always good to sort of come into the draft with a bit of a strategy i do like what you said about um you know round two round three looking at a two rf i think that's sort of going to be center for my um strategy i really like some of those strike edge two rfs um around that round two round three i think there's good value there to be had
3: yeah, oh, definitely, and I guess it's just something for everyone out there. I mean, you'd never do something something silly like going, you know, two RF front row forward sort of on the turn there. I still want to prioritise a spine spine position if I can, um, like half back, full back. Yeah, Damien Cook is probably around two pick, but I'm not not super in love with the value of Damien Cook this year. But um, like I said before, if you don't get Harry Grant round one, I'm happy just to pass over the position.
2: Next question uh, we threw at him was, what's your top three booms for 2023? So who, in their opinion, is going to beat their 2022 average? Someone that they, they expect big things from. Someone that they're going to be really happy with if they snag in the draft.
3: Oh my goodness! You won't see anything like that again this year and maybe never. Oh, that'll be sensational stuff. I love him. But I want to book him. Get him up here.
1: So uh, I've actually got... I've got six names here, so uh, these are guys that just, you know, they're not necessarily going to be insane, but they're all guys that I think are really going to improve of the, on their average. And for a few of them, it's not going to be that hard. Like Josh Schuster mm. um, averaged, I think, about 22 last year. Uh, but that's just because he's coming back from injury and playing off the bench in the utility role. So, like, obviously, now that he's 5'8", started 5'8 for Manly, um, it'll be pretty easy for him to... Um, beat his um, 22 average from last year. Yeah. Um, and and he's someone you can get pretty late as well. I, I've also got um, someone I, I am quite, quite big on is Matt Burton. Um, I think the Bulldogs, while still not the best attacking team, um, I think the recruitment of Reed Marnie is really going to help um, their attack and Matt Burton especially. I think... Um, he only averaged 56 last year, but he had several games where he looked really, really promising in terms of supercoach purposes. So uh, I'm quite big on Matt Burton this year. I think he's going to um, easily be able to improve on his average. So, and uh, another 5'8, Cody Walker, um, he, only, he was only slightly better than Matt Burton last year. He averaged 57. And I think, you know, obviously he's usually way more, be- uh, averages way higher than that. But I think... The Raptors were without um Latrell Mitchell for a ton of last mm. season. And I think that that really impacted Cody Walker. Um I think the fact that Latrell is back and um, he looked way better when he came back from the US last year and, and Latrell was incredible. So I think um I think Latrell being back is going to help South and really help Cody Walker. Um I know a lot of a lot of teams that drafted Cody Walker early last year were Trading him very early because he was really, really struggling. Um, he was fucking hopeless. Let's be real. Yeah. But, but I, yeah, <laughs> but I think Cody Walker is going to be in for. Um, I still don't think he's going to get back to his you know good old days, but he'll be a lot better, and I, I think he can pretty easily beat his fifty-seven average. Uh, and then uh, the last guy I'll talk about is Brandon Smith, um, averaged about I think. 45 last year. Um, I don't know, I've got it in front of me. Yeah, he did. Yep, 45. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, that was at Storm. Um, it was clear last year that he'd, you know, fallen behind Harry Grant at Melbourne um, and wasn't going to be starting at hooker anymore. Um, playing at, you know, sometimes filling in at lock, um, sometimes even playing front row and just playing off the bench. Um, I think that clearly impacted his his scores. But now... He's at the Roosters. Um, he's going to be starting hooker, presumably. Um, he's going to be playing bigger minutes um, in one of the best attacking teams in the NRL. Uh, I think a lot of people are considering um, premiership favorites this year mm. based based partly on his recruitment. So I think, um, I think Brandon Smith is in it for a big year as well and could easily not quite double his 45 average, but... I think he could uh, drastically improve on it. Yeah, the cheese.
2: I think ten to fifteen points on on that forty-five from last year is very easily doable. The problem I have with cheese is all the value for him is out the window because everyone's all over his dick, his personality, the Roosters being premiership favourites. All those things mean that a lot of in a lot of leagues he's going to go pretty early and probably a little bit too early for me. But he is definitely a really good boom candidate. But that, just because everyone loves him and everyone is backing him for a big season, I think that value is gone, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I think um, a lot of people probably had him on their value picks because of his low average and thinking that they can get him late. Uh, yeah. But I think, like you said, you nailed it. The the hype around him means that even though his uh, average is kind of low and his position on draft boards will be kind of low, he's not going to... You're not going to be able to get good value from him.
0: Right, right, first guy, you're going to hate him. I think he's one of your busts. So, Jerome Lua. And the reason why, and, I, and it's the reason why you've got him as a bust is because Kickout's leaving. So, the way that Penrith attacked last year is everything was through Kickout and Luwai was giving it to Kikau and all of Kikau, all the points was coming from Kikau's hands. So 2020 was Luwai's best year. He had 21 assists, eight contributions. Kikau only had three and one. The year after that, 19 and 13 for Luwai. Kikau had three and two. Last year, Luwai only had 14 assists, nine contributions, and Kikau had 10 tries assists and five contributions. I think he's taking too many points away from uh, Luai, and Louis going to get those back because Garner's not going to take them. Um,
2: hey, love it. Keep going. Oh, psh, I got movement. Go- he, hit, he hit me with stats. This is good. shit. Let's go.
0: I've got more to come. Um, second guy, I've got Reed Marnie as a boom. And my reasons for him, just bear with me. Um, so. His main correlation of his points for the last three years has been who his halves are. So he's always had Moses as the big dick in his team, right? He's always had Moses as number one. In 2020, when Dylan Brown had his first year in the league, Dylan Brown averaged 63, while Marnie dropped down to 54. Marnie was real selfless. He took away. He let Dylan Brown have the ball. Then 2021, Dylan Brown... Didn't do much. It was his quiet year, second year syndrome. He only averaged 53, while Reed Marnie stepped up and had to take over from the side with Moses, and he averaged 67. And then last year, Dylan Brown exploded, averaged 74, and Marnie had to take a step back, only averaged 54. So this year, I think Burton's going to be that big dick. There's no other second fiddle, and I think that's going to be Reed Marnie and going to get back to that 67, that 65 average that he had when dylan brown had his off year sexy brother keep going what have we got next uh reuben cotter he's the front rower that i uh, mentioned um that's the only front rower that i'm willing to draft this year how many minutes do we think he's going to play this year per game? mate I, I'd, i'm probably
2: going to look at around that 55 minute mark
0: yeah, I think he's going to push 60. Last year, he averaged 57, so right in the middle between we, where we both have him. Mm-hmm. Um, last year, he played eight games over and eight games under 57 minutes. So smack bang, good sample size a of each. Under 57 minutes, he averaged 50 points a game. Over 57 minutes, he averaged 67.8 points a game. Sexy. Yeah. So if I think, I think he's going to get to that 60 points, uh, sixty minutes a game, sorry. I think he's going to get to that roughly 67, 68
4: average. Beautiful, mate. I love that you've done your homework. This is turning me on. All right. Gun, Recy Robson, that average is going to jump from a 64 to a 70 easily. So it was a 70 when he played 80 minutes last year, which he will do again this year. He was fucking elite last year. I've had a big stiffy on him for a few years now. Um, obviously not a massive boom, but I think uh, he's going to continue being good and will get even better. Then I'm going to go Birdo. That 57 is going to look like fucking child's play. Mm-hmm. Um, massive on him. Like that's, that's, I-, I could see a 66 on him. I'm, kicks out the Bulldogs, they're not going to win the premiership or anything, but I think that they're going to get enough pieces around him to really have a run. I was big on him last year too. My draft day note was Nico Hines and Matt Burton no matter what because I was picking on the last round of two and three and the start of three. So I got – I actually went Birdo over Nico. Holy shit. (laughs) I went Birdo into Nico Hines in in rounds two and three and – um. Obviously didn't work out as well as I wanted it to but I think it just needed a year to like settle I mean 57 you can't really fucking scoff at it but um I like it I like I like Burdo and then uh, the biggest boom that I have on my list, uh, I think Josh Hodgson can really improve on that average of three from last year. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, an absolute yeah. coward's call, cool, that one. <laughs> just, I just, it just, I was writing this list and I was thinking back to a podcast that we did last year <laughs> where we wanted to see who would improve. And somebody, I think it was you, said uh, you think Tungo might improve on his average after having a fucking 20 average and moving onto the left edge at Penrith. No, Let's move I'll on. Let's you, move on to I'll, your I'll bus. I'll give you Turbo. Tur- turbo's my guy. Tur- Turbo is <laughs> okay. he's, he's the best player in the world. 61's going to turn into who knows what. I think I think, I think Turbo, he's, he's really going to fucking fly. Yeah,
2: nice, bro. Yeah, good.
5: Uh, okay, so if you listen to the injury uh, pod that we did, Adam Dewey here. Dewey, no, Dewey, he wants to be called now. Dewey, yeah, Adam back, Dewey. Back to Dewey. Yeah, I'm massive on him. Uh, give me him. Yeah, late first, early second. Uh, Joey Taps, Tapene. I'm in on him as well. And Ruben Cotter. They're they're three guys who you know you're going to hear about a lot of guys who'll pick sleepers and or or you know guys who'll go up because they've got new roles at clubs. But I just think they're three guys from an injury perspective who could increase their increase their value.
3: Yeah, so I've had a few options here. I've, I've tried to go with guys that can be available like outside the top three rounds. Um, My number one boom this year is uh, Reese Walsh for the Bronx. Uh, I just reckon this kid's a superstar. And for me, I've got him ranked at uh, eight in the fullback spot. Uh, I just think this kid is just an extremely good talent. Coming back to the Bronx, he should be settled. Arrow's pointing up for his career. I reckon the the origin jersey is pretty much his if he can stay fit. So... You know, he's not someone that you've got to draft even at the top five of the position. There's pretty good value on Rhys Walsh. Uh, the best thing about fullback is there's just that lack of jewels. So if you can wait like six or seven fullbacks off the board, that's six or seven blokes that aren't looking at getting him. So, mm. man, he could be a, a real good value. He could go you know, outside round five uh, just for that reason. So he's a big one for me. I I, I think his arrow's pointing up. Man, I just love the value, mate. I really do. Uh, second one is a guy I said last year. I just can't quit this bloke. And that's Sam Walker.
2: Yep. Like just, it.
3: Man, the Roosters, like, we say it every year, it feels like, but their roster is just ridiculous. Mm. You know, I know you'll agree with me on yeah, that.
2: Ivory, um, man. Yep.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just look at him and go, talent, situation, goal kicking, elite team. If you were to look back at this time next year and say Sam Walker is like a top three halfback, there's no reason why you'd be surprised with that. Like he's he's just got it all in the right boxes, ticks everywhere in the right boxes. So yeah, there's I, no
2: reason. Him, there's no reason why he can't average sixty five for
3: twenty three. No, definitely not. Definitely not. And to just need yeah. After he went back on that right edge, back to halfback again, he's just a different. It was a different team. Yeah. The Roosters as a whole are better, so he's a big one for me. I, I've got him ranked fifth at the sorry fourth at the position, uh, behind obviously Cleary Hughes uh, Hines and Hughes. So I think he's pretty safe to draft there, and he's someone I'd be targeting sort of round four, round five, somewhere in there. I think that's where he goes mm-hmm. in drafts. Maybe late round three if you're real keen, but that's probably where he's, his range is in terms of position. Um, and my last one's a CTW, bit of a deeper dive, uh, just a, a speed freak, and that's Toltau Cola for Manly. i nice. just yeah, it just doesn't get much hype, and I think he should. Just um, I think it's underrated really how fewer games he had with turbo last year, as obviously all Manly did, but he was really, really fresh into the NRL when turbo was playing, and then obviously went down with the injury. Um, and Kola had the rest of the year, sort of didn't really hit many attacking heights early on. I'm sort of pretty big on him as, a, as sort of a post-hype sleeper. I think a lot of people have forgotten about him. His average is in the toilet. So, yeah, he's a, he's a CTW later on the, in the draft that I reckon, uh, like, he's ranked for me at 23. So he's like a CTW 3 that would put him at. And, um, yeah, I just like the fact that he's dual absolute weapon if, he, if turbo stays fit we haven't really seen manly with good centers for a while so sky's the limit for the young kid i reckon
2: i love that take bro really good take you're right you know and the thing with turbo is when he comes back when he's firing when he's scoring 140 supercoach points a game everyone lifts Everyone supercoach game goes up um and like what we saw with jason saab whose floor is he's Disgusting, like a bloke that can score three points in eighty-minute games. But when Turbo's in the side, all he has to do is run fast, catch, and just score tries, which is something uh, Kanakola can do.
3: Absolutely, and he's got more to his game than just the speed. He's just he's got that sort of Michael Jennings build, where he's just that sprinter. You know, he's, he's rapid. He's got a good step. Mate, he's got some mongrel him into
2: him. him. Got some fucking mongrel. He gets it. Gets stuck <laughs> he, in.
3: He buddy does, doesn't he? Yeah, Which I love. Like,
2: next up conversely who were their top three busts so who in their opinion will drop from their 2022 average someone who will no doubt shit the bed it's probably isn't worth drafting at their current value at their current average that's sitting on the Supercoach side Ow. god
5: damn it. god kyle put you one time ticket what the fuck oh crazy no. what have you
1: done oh
3: dear oh dear, oh, dear.
1: Yeah, I think um, the big one that a lot of people will be uh, pretty on board with is Ryan Pappenhausen. Um, Obviously, had the highest average in the game last year with 90.3. But we don't even know if he's going to be available for round one. I think, um, you know, a couple of, like, last month, we kind of thought he'd be ready to go. uh, But he'd just gotten back from his US trip, and even he said that he... a reporter asked him when he thought he was going to be back and he didn't want to give an exact answer. And what he said was, um, some stage this season. Fuck. So yeah. it's not very not very good signs. Um, so I'm still sort of expecting him to be back pretty early, but I think there's a good chance he misses the first couple of weeks and he's coming back from a super serious knee injury. So I think even though perhaps... Uh, even though I love Paps and he he is a very good player, I think um, I think there's going to be some issues there, and I I think he could very easily drop down to a 70 average, which would be like a 20 point per game loss, which is incredible. Mm. And um, also not be available for you know at least a quarter of the season. Exactly. So I think there's some risks there, um, and the the thing is like we, we've introduced the average draft position rankings this year um and he's currently still extremely high in the um average like he's got the third dra- adp overall which i think is incredible mm. like if you're drafting perhaps in the first round like i think you've really got to rethink things
2: yeah 100 i'm with you
1: um another guy i want to talk about is api corasau um I it was a bit of a surprise last year because you know in the last couple of years at, at um, Panthers he you know while he's been good he hasn't necessarily been the best hooker and I think last year was probably one of his best seasons for a draft in a couple of years so um, now he's going back uh, not back um, moving from Panthers to West Tigers which um, I mean the Tigers have recruited pretty well this offseason in terms of their forwards but I think the team is still going to struggle and uh, like moving from the premiers, the best attacking team in the league down to the West Tigers is that alone is going to impact your scores. But I I think um, uh, like he, even at at Panthers, he struggled with his consistency uh, and now he's moving from one of the best to one of the worst teams in the league. So I think happy chorus. you might want to move him down your hooker rankings a little bit. Yep. Yep. For sure. Uh, and the last guy I'll talk about is Isaiah Papali'i. Mm-hmm. Um, I think losing the dual position um, is... Uh, obviously, that won't affect his, um, his averages, but I think that potentially moves him from the top to RF F spot. Um, and same as Appy, moving from a really good situation at Parramatta where he was... Last year he was he was incredible. Let's be real. Um, and moving from that really profitable situation to the West Tigers, where he might not even be playing on that right edge anymore, just because they've recruited John Bateman as well, who's, I, also plays on the right edge. So there's a lot of uncertainty there, and I think there's a good chance he, um, you know, I could I'm I'm happy to be wrong on this one, um, and he can. Um, still produce good numbers at the Tigers, but I just don't see it.
0: First guy, you're going to not like him either. I think he's one of your booms, AJ Brimson. Um, Last year, he averaged um, only 52 at fullback. He only played seven games, but the year before, he only averaged 60 at fullback. He played the whole season. He's sitting at a 64 at the moment. Um, I think that this... Um, storyline that they're like it just feels like it's a fucking miracle whenever the Titans do anything good, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Like it just like fuck me about time, like God, are you up there? Are you real? Whenever they do something. Um But like this myth that the the Titans score points, they don't struggle to score points, they only outscored four teams last year total. Like they they won six games and scored at three tries a game, like I struggle to
2: score points. Yeah. The reason I love AJ Brimson, obviously with foreign coming to the side, it's just going to free him up a little bit to do and play the game that he likes to play, which is a running game. And his game is so conducive to Supercoach points with his tackle brush and his line breaks. Um, I don't think he'll be so much of a boom from that 67 or whatever he averaged last year. But if he averaged 70, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, um, second
0: one. Um, Hudson Young, and it's strictly because I don't think he's going to score 13 tries this year. Yeah, fair. Um, I think, yeah, he scores 47 points a game when he doesn't score, which is fine when he scores the try line, break, gets him up to that 66 average that he had last year. I just don't think he's scoring 13 tries. I think, uh, someone like Nanai outscores him. I think Nanai scores more tries than Hudson Young again this year. Um, yeah, I can't see him scoring 13 tries. Yep. And last bus is the Parramatta halves. I just losing the forwards that they've lost and going from Marnie to Hodgson. I think um yeah, they're gonna drop drop a little both of them. I think they're gonna drop from their averages this year.
4: Uh this one hurts, but Nanai, um, I can't see it. I really wanna see it. I'm keeping him in, in in a keeper league I'm in. Um, but I I want to believe that this continues, but like you boys have said, like Kick the 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 tries from kicks. Like, how can you really depend on it? And the base just isn't there when he's not scoring. I think he will still score. I think he can get better. I think that he'll have less missed tackles and errors next year. But it's not going to be sixty three. I don't think. I, I just don't think so. And then Talakai. One of the biggest frauds in the league. Yes, I, I love never this. bought the Hive. I watched it. I remember it was Thursday night footy, wasn't it? Against Manly, we were all sitting there being like, "This is the most insane shit I've ever seen." Put him in an Origin jersey, and I was just like, "I don't know." Like, did anyone really rate Morgan Harper that much? Like, so. mm, make the collective hard-ons
2: uh, from everyone it was watching crazy. that game it just shifted tectonic plates. Really,
4: like, it was, it was absolutely mental. I mean, what he done was like fantastic. One of the best halves of footy ever. But, uh, no, if you're drafting him at a 60 average, I don't see it. Uh, after those two big games he had, he averaged 45. Mm. So, oh, no, no shot. <laughs> and then um, this one, I think this goes against the 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 status quo right now. Uh, a lot of people are sucking this dude off, like, massively. And I think people like you are pushing his ADP right up. Lockie Miller, not buying it, not interested KP averaged 59 in this team when he wasn't affected by injury. Is Lachlan Miller better than Kalen Ponga? No. Well, not. for me. Well, not in the light. Well, maybe maybe if you compare him for the last couple of seasons, Kalen Ponga's played. I know, but, like, I think KP, like, at origin level, he's that good. Then you put him in the Knights, he, he's dog shit. Uh, and then those teams that he played against, it was the Titans, the Dragons, Wes, Manly during their free fall, the Bulldogs and the Knights. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's the it's the class it's the classic hype with this bloke, isn't it? It's it it must be.
2: Everyone's pumping his tires up. Um, Walker's got a hard on over him because he's dual. Um,
4: yeah, I can see that. Like, I, I respect it, but I just think he's going to go in the first five rounds, and, and it's just going to be mental. Yeah. Like, I just think that classic hype's going to be crazy. So, if you're drafting him at a sixty, if you're drafting him at like a fifty average to play on the in center wing. Yeah, go hard. Like not that bad. there's worse things that could be done, but 63 average, definitely not to be a fullback. Um, I can't see it. Uh
5: so Teddy's my main injury one. I just have a feeling with a few knee and concussion concerns, potentially he could go down a bit in saying that like the roosters are going to be improved this year, you would assume. But yeah, I just don't feel great about Teddy. Going to, into this season. So he's a bit of a bust for me. The two that are just my gut, Dylan Brown, I think, coming off a you know career year. I'm just a little bit like can he replicate it again? Um, and Garrick, Ruben Garrick moving to the centers. That is just trash. I Yuck. don't know. But yeah, no, thanks.
3: Yeah, um, always interesting to label a guy a bust. It's it really depends on whether you think they're gonna just completely go down the toilet or I guess the other side of the coin is that you're just staying away from them at their draft price. Uh, the yeah, first for
2: to- It's sort of like, because a lot of people do ask me this question, so I'll, I'll sort of uh, clear it up now before we move on. But, like, for example, I have um, Damien Cook as a bust. Now, that me saying he's a bust doesn't mean he's undraftable and he's going to go shit this year. I just don't want to draft him at that 75 average. So, for me, that 75 average is a bust because he won't average that in 2023. So I think a lot of people get confused and They're like, oh, you know, Cookie's not going to be a fucking bust. It's like, I get that, but I'm just saying don't draft him at that 75.
3: Yeah, exactly right. And, yeah, it's always difficult because a guy can come out and still average well, and, yeah, you're going to get people saying that. But for me personally, uh, I don't really know which guy to label in this. It's sort of a bit of a pussy way out, I suppose, but it's just all the Tigers recruits, to be honest. <laughs> so much hype. Man, Clemmer, Bateman, Ipap, those three in particular, I mean, I guess I'll start with Isaiah Papali'i. I I mean, he's a round one pick because he's just, I mean, he's so so good when he's on, but I just worry what could happen if the Tigers are crap again. Like, we're all sort of projecting them to be um, improving on what they have been, which they should do. But if it just doesn't click – one of them's probably not going to be good. I just don't know which one. Clemmer, mm. Bateman or Papali'i. For that reason, like I'm probably not looking at Isaiah Papali'i, where he's going in a draft. I'm probably going to look more, well, Harry Grandos, obviously, if he's there, but all those sort of like CTWs, Manu, Garrick, obviously Cam Munster if he's around. Uh, they're the guys I'm kind of looking at instead of Isaiah Papali'i. I'd rather sort of hit a spine position rather than go with the 2RF there, which is, yeah, I guess a bit surprising. It's a bit – a lot of people love Isaiah Papali and I get that. But for me, there's this uh, element of risk that just kind of turns me off him slightly. Kind of the same for Bateman as well, but probably not to the same extent because he's not going to go as high in a draft. Yeah, But it's kind of the same premise, I suppose. Um, Number two for me is not – a. This guy here I do quite like as a player, but I just don't think he's going to repeat last year just in terms of tries. That's Thomas Dearden from the Cowboys. I mean, he was so good for Queensland in origin last year, did a great job, and he's a really good real-life player in an elite team, so he should go well. Uh, For me, I've got him ranked 10th at the 5'8 spot, but I just don't think he's going to score near as many tries as he did last year. So he's probably a bust in terms of that regard but. If you're going to draft him as the 10th ranked 5'8", you're really not going to go too wrong. But it just all depends on on that attacking output, really. You might not get the same average as he got last year. Um, and the other one for me is Dylan Edwards, just for the Panthers. I mentioned on uh, the Magic Sponge the other, other day that, um, for me, I'm a bit concerned about the Panthers early on, just with the loss of Corusau and out Their attack is going to be elite. We know that. But... Is it going to be elite to the point where Dylan Edwards is going to keep picking up try assists, try every game? He was Last year he was getting one of those two things, sometimes both of them, every single week. Mm. So if he just drops back to being that elite base fullback that he has been in the past, that 50 points a game just from you know, a million runs that he can do, like that's fine, but he'll be a bust if, if that's what happens. So. <laughs>
2: Okay, next one is their top three sleepers for 2023. So the lads that they think will slip and provide great value towards the back end of the draft. Players that no one's really talking about in the preseason, the surprise packets, the big value tickets, baby. Oh
3: you don't listen.
1: I was
2: there when he was born.
5: I'm laughing that for research. That is research. Can somebody buddy, see
4: make money money, make money, money, money. Make money, money.
1: Yeah, I think um, I think this season, the I mentioned it before, but like the the introduction of the ADP um, ranking in your pre-draft is gonna make things a little bit more interesting. And I think for for the experienced players in your league, um, will definitely sort of um hurt um, the sleepers. To be honest, I, I think um, for the, the you know the eagle-eyed players ranking by ADP will be able to see that. The guys that are ranked low in other people's pre-drafts, but um, are actually being drafted a lot higher. So um, I think that that's one thing to keep in mind, and I think it's actually going to impact um, someone like John Bateman, for example. Like in previous years, he would have been pretty far down the um, the pre-draft rankings, but the introduction of the ADP means he's going to be a bit higher, which means people are going to be aware that you can get him late. Um, which means he might not go as late as you want. Um, So John Bateman, I I still think, is one, though. Um, I mean, if if you're drafting with a bunch of nunsers and they're not across all this, I think you might be able to get John Bateman pretty late. Mm. Um, But I I thought I'd mention some guys that I think you can potentially get extreme value out of. Um, One, I think, is Josh Hodgson. Um, He's coming back from an ACL injury. Which is concerning. But the last time he came back from an ACL injury um, at Raiders in, I think, like 2018, um, he missed half of that season. But when he did come back from an ACL injury, um, he played one game of reduced minutes and then was straight back into an 80 minute role, and was scoring really, really well, actually. So um, I think Josh Hodgson, someone you can get pretty late, he only averaged three last year because he played one game and did his ACL like almost immediately. So um, he's going to be pretty far down the rankings and in a position that is extremely skinny this year, um, Josh Hodgson is someone I think he could potentially get some good value out of. For sure. Okay, Um, Interesting. And sticking with Hooker, um, this one is, he was not on my radar at all, but yesterday sort of jumped on the radar a little bit because Ricky said he's a contender to start, which is Danny Levi. Um, they only signed him like a month ago and he must be, in must be really impressive at training because Ricky says he's already contended to start. So isn't that uh, just a nightmare, the hooking role there at
2: the, at the Raiders?
1: Yeah. I mean, if we get some more, the, the trials are going to be key for that. Cause we need to know sort of who's going to be starting because, uh, unless you know who's going to be starting, they're all like, you just want to avoid everyone there. Yeah. Um, but they're just Levi someone you could potentially get some value out of. Um, and another Raider I think you can get some good value out of is Xavier Savage. Um, I like this. I mentioned earlier that I think fullback is completely stacked this year. Um, I have Xavier Savage as my 14th ranked fullback, but that's based primarily on his um, average last year, which was... A bit skewed because he was sort of his role was a bit all over the place. Um, But now I think we know that he is the guy at fullback for the Raiders. Um, I think he's in for a big year and he's someone you can get pretty low at a pretty stacked position. So, um, you know, a lot of people drafting him, he might be their backup fullback that they draft, but Mm. um, I, I think there's good value there. And The last guy I'll talk about um, is Tom Gilbert. Um, Okay. He's kind of the only forward at the Dolphins that I am even remotely interested in drafting. Um, I think there's a good chance he wins the starting lock position. And last year, I think he showed he can play big minutes. Um, And when he did play big minutes, he was scoring pretty well. Um, And he's one of the few forwards that, also kept the dual position this year um, and I don't know, not not a lot of people know who Tom Gilbert even is, so I think he's a guy that you can uh, he's got a bit of anonymity about him um, and he's someone you could potentially get pretty late and I think it could pay off because I think he's going to be the forward leader in that Dolphins pack All
0: right, First one, I'm going to go with the one that I've got the smaller sample size on it's Herbie Farnworth Nice and- only three games, sample size. I know that's really small, but he averaged 80 points a game when Ezra Mann was his 5'8". Mm. And it was only three games, and he got injured in that last game. He only played um, 60 minutes. So he two games in 60 minutes, and he still averaged 80 points a game. Um, he scored four of his 10 tries of the season in those three games, so maybe it's a little bit inflated. It was also Ezra mim's three best games of his season as well um, with the three with Herbie. So I like that little late stack of Herbie and Ezra.
2: That's sexy. Um, I like that. Good call. It's, it's good.
0: Ad- Reynolds only played in one of those three games, so do, do with that what you want. But I think Herbie sitting at a 56 average. I know he won't average 80 with Ezra, but... I think he can get up to that 65 for the yeah. season. If the 65, I think that's – think, I think he can do that. Nice um, Good one. Good pick. Next guy, Ryan Madison. I know he's not going to fall too hard, but with a three-game suspension and people just see that he's coming off the bench, I think he's going to fall enough. Like, he played – uh, three games starting at second row last year for a 67 average, five games at lock for a 53 average, and 11 games off the bench for a 71 average. So he's much better off the bench. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. Average. And, yeah, I just think the suspension and the bench, people, I think you're going to get some value on Ryan Madison this year. hmm And last guy, uh, another guy who's not going to fall too far, but Nat Butcher, I think he's going to – People just don't know much about him. He's not he's not the big dick at the roosters, but um he played nine games under 60 minutes last year and 15 games over 60 minutes. Um he's sitting at a 55.1 average at the moment, but he's 15 games over 60 minutes. He averaged 69 points a game.
4: Uh the Schuster, I think he'll he'll drop on a lot of ADPs with that 23 average. I uh, don't think he'll really be on anyone's list. I was massive on him last year. Ate a dick on it. Um, Fuck. So did not did not turn God, out well. Tell me about it. <laughs> Picked him in round three. Okay, I wasn't that
0: keen.
4: Fuck.
2: All right, let's move on.
4: <laughs> uh, but now Schuster. He yeah, I reckon he could be a starting five eight most weeks if you don't care about five eight that much. Um, I I believe that Turbo is going to do things, and if Schuster's out on the left. Uh, yeah, I can see. No, yeah, I love him. He's he's great. Uh, then the second one, I've always had a hard on for this bloke. Uh, I think TPJ is going to drop down a lot of lists with his fifty average, because uh, everybody averages fifty if they're like a, a second rate second rower. Uh, I think he can get value. I think uh, last year it was sixty average in his first ten games, and then he admitted himself we're losing a lot, and I didn't care anymore. Mm. Um, this guy is uh, addicted to an offload at a fault. I think he's been the leading offloader in the NRL for the last 16 years. Uh, I love it. it <laughs> when he's on your team, he's one of those guys that can really get like 20 points in a play if he really wanted to. Uh, and he's just there. Like, it's just fun. If, if TPJ is your third, second rower and you're watching the Bulldogs every every weekend on a Sunday because they got the 15 Sunday games this year, <laughs> anything could happen. Anything could happen on a Sunday afternoon with TPJ. Uh, there was a point... Two years ago, he was the leading point scorer in all of Supercoach mm. for for a period at the start of the year. So, I've always been massive on him. I think uh, you can grab him at a 60 average, I, I do believe. Uh, and then Nat Butcher. Yes. Uh, massive. Nervo. I, I dubbed him Nerbo after that when he just went schizo. Uh, was that last year? <laughs> no, the year before when he broke Turbo's... Uh, <laughs> Broke Turbo's ankles, I think it was. Mm. Uh, so I've, I've been calling him Nervo since then. Uh, what is it? 60. I have got. I do have some stats here. I'm not just talking completely out of my ass. He averages 66 in games that he plays 80. And he'll play 80 yeah. for a little bit at least with Satili Tupanua out. Um, no, I love Nat Butcher. He's got a haircut that you can set your watch to. A uh, good-looking rooster. And, uh, well, he's a rooster too. I, and I like the roosters. I, I think the roosters are in for a big year. <laughs>
5: Kenny Mamalo, love him. (laughs) Played through so much stuff last year. Um, So, yeah, I think he's a nice little sleeper. Bradman Best as well, if he can stay injury-free, which, you know, uh, like he hasn't been able to so far, but there isn't too many pattern injuries there. So pretty high on him. And then Jermaine Hopgood um, down at the Eels coming over from the Panthers. He's a good Uh, For those Queenslanders, he's from the Wide Bay region. Uh, That's where Gimpy is, my hometown. Uh, So he's a good Wide Bay boy, good boy from the Bay. He's got all the wraps on him. So I think he's going to be really, really solid. Wouldn't be surprised if he plays Origin in the next
2: few seasons either. Origin Bolter, big calls. I like it. I like it.
3: Yeah, um, sleepers are always interesting because, you know, you want to get them sort of post-round eight in a draft. Um, the first one you're probably not going to get post round eight is more of a round six pick, maybe round seven. Uh, Jack DeBellin for the Dragons. Yes. I mean, this guy, what a rig! Mm-hmm. Seriously, what a rig! Yeah, reminds me of yourself actually.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, fair, fair call. Cool.
3: Yeah, um, <laughs> fair call. Cool. Well, I shouldn't be throwing rocks, mate. I'm more of a Dane Laurie myself. Uh, Blake Laurie, your uh, boy. Sorry. Fair, cool. uh, yeah, just just the bell and like got the jewel this year the dragons shouldn't be real good so there's plenty of tackles should get through the work playing lock i think i can see bigger minutes now that he's had a year under his belt to get fit in a full preseason. so if he bounces back to anything like he used to be even 80 percent of that he'll be a good value pick to play as you playing your front row spot
2: jewel as well
3: yeah super handy mate hey mm-hmm. super handy sexy Number two, Matty Lodge for the Roosters. Yep. Massive, massive opportunity in the front row there. Like, Terki Ajo going is is big. Lindsay Collins is having massive issues with injuries and concussions. And obviously, Maria Hargraves, he's at the twilight of his career, mate. He's, you know, he's every time he goes in the field, he's giving away penalties and making errors. Like, the days of him getting big minutes are gone. So, as much as he's sort of a polarizing figure, Matty Lodge, I think there's value in a, in a draft for him. As long as you're okay with having him on your on your team, he'll probably average sixty and you can you can get him pretty late in the draft. Real so late. Yep. yeah, I've actually got him ranked tenth at front row, which is real optimistic. So yeah, he's a value for sure. Um my number three, I've had a couple of guys here that I, I wasn't a sure which one to pick. Um, one of them is Greg Margie, which I know you like. So I'll... Ooh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I know I'm preaching to the choir, so I'll go with the other one just because, you know, if everyone wants to hear about Margie, they can just listen to you, any any podcast pretty much. Here. Um, I'm, I'm going to go with Kelma Tulungi.
2: Okay. Light.
3: Light. Yeah, I'll just reckon, um, you know, Aaron Davey, when he was there for those few games last year, early in the season with Turbo, uh, obviously, this is all around Turbo Manley's bounce back. But if Schuster's playing 5-8, which he's obviously going to, Turbo's fit, being that left 2-RF, because obviously Ola Kowachi's going to play right with Cherry Evans, I just think there's going to be attacking upside in that position. Uh, obviously, defences can't just key in on him if Turbo's sweeping at the back. There's chances for Schuster. I can just picture it, you know, the old no-look short ball, Benji Marshall style, just one-on-one with a, with a halfback or something. There's going to be attacking stats and line breaks. I'm not really going to criticise him too much for having a down year last year with the Tigers. He, he, did, he had a pretty crap floor, to be honest, last year, but uh, he was already signed with, with Manly. He didn't have his heart in, in the jersey last year, so I'm happy to give him a pass mark in a new system. Sky's the limit, really. Could be a breakout 2RF for me.
2: Yeah, I like it and keep it simple because all he needs to do is run hard run aggressive and hold on to the ball And he will score tries if like you said Schuster's out there putting defenses in two three mines And then you have got turbo with the sweep like they just it'd be hands on heads. They won't know what the fuck to do Okay, here's the question I asked the lads who is their absolute stay away this year in their draft their no-go zone no fly zone the guy that they just don't want in their team for this year. For me, it's definitely Ben Hunt. He burnt me last year in the grand final, only scoring 11 points in 80 minutes. I had the captaincy on him. Just bad taste in my mouth. Bad juju. Don't want it. He won't be on the Eskimo Bros this year. So i ask the boys, who is their absolute no fucking way for 2023?
0: No, no fucking way.
3: No, I'm not working with this guy. I've been there, done that.
0: No,
4: God, please, no. No, no.
3: fucking I got a better idea. No fucking way.
1: For me, uh, this is an easy choice. Um, I think he's a good player, but in terms of super Coach, I just don't see the value there and I never have. And for me, it's Josh Pap- Papali um, yeah. at, at Canberra. Um, I think the Ricky factor alone has me scared of a lot of Raiders. Um, I think there's only a few blokes in that team that you're sort of pretty sure of what their role is going to be. And Josh Papali is not one of them. Uh, I think his minutes were down last year and he's getting a bit older. So I think his minutes are going to be going down again. Um, And, you know, he averaged 58 last year, which um, is decent for a front rower, obviously. Like that puts him in the the top 10 averages for front row. But um, if you if you actually look closely at his games, um, he has a ton of games where he scores less than 40 points mm. playing big, playing big minutes. And most of his big scores um, are only in games where he scores tries, which he does do fairly, um, fairly often for a front row. But um, I've just never been able to get around Josh, Josh Lee. And he's someone that is just the number one avoid for me. Like if, if, if it comes to me and I need a front rower and he's the best one on the bo- on the board, um, and I n- need to take a front rower, I'm still not going to take him. I'll just, <laughs> I love I'll it. just, I'll do something. I'll get someone else. AE, just auto emergency. Yeah,
0: yeah. So besides those front rowers I was talking about, because fuck all them. Um, most players are. Pretty much, I'm happy to take anywhere at um, value. But there's one player type. So it's all these really good locks who are really good at NRL that people love. So they're going to get drafted because people love them. But all they do really is make tackles and tip on. Yep. Like they're good links. So Yo, Victor Radley, and Jag Trojevic. They're mm. the three they're footballers. It just doesn't. Like, I'll see him up in the seventh round and I'll go probably prefer to take a punt on a explosive center or the 10th and and I'll take a punt on a back rower.
4: Luai, Luai, I can't see it at all. Not interested. Last year, he halved the times that he received the ball and they won the comp. Mm. Why would it change? Why will it change now? Why are they going to give him more ball? They won the comp. Like it doesn't, they don't need more from him. It's working. Um. He's just annoying. Like he's the absolute opposite of TPJ, where you're like, "What can he do?" It's with Luai, Is he gonna do anything? How does he? How he drags himself to 50 points most weeks blows my mind. Um, might be a bit of Queensland bias too. Don't like watching him play in a sky blue jersey, but I just, I just, I, there's just no need for him to ever be on my team. Doesn't matter how far he drops because he's gonna go in the top four rounds in a lot of leagues because people just a blind like that, I reckon. But I no, do I?
2: I'm with you, bro. It. It's just a guy that I don't want in my team.
5: Uh, well, I feel bad now because I probably would find <laughs> around 17. Uh, but Ponger, Ponga, uh, yeah, I just think there's too much stuff with his concussion history. If we are talking a genuine round 17, I wouldn't touch him. Uh, Anthony Milford. I just think <sighs> that his time in the Dolphins has to be limited with Isaiah Katoa. Waiting in the wings, I just think, uh, yeah, I think Milf. It, some people might draft him, thinking he's going to be the Milford of old. I just don't think. Ever since, you know, like obviously he didn't do well at the Broncos. But he suffered four hamstring injuries in a season, and I think it was twenty 2020 twenty or twenty twenty one. And you know, he just never, he just hasn't looked the same. So yeah, he's probably the guy who I just wouldn't touch, no matter what.
3: Yeah, um, I always look for a guy in this list that I feel is just. Right at the cliff and is about to fall off the edge of the cliff. Uh, it's a bit of a layup this year, in my opinion, after watching him in Origin. And that's just, that's Josh Papali, the yep. Canberra. Yep. I mean, he's, I mean, I love the bloke. He's been a, a stalwart, real life super coach for a long, long time. But it was actually, man, it was super sad to see Origin last year where he just couldn't last the minutes. The game was too fast. Mm. And obviously, NRL is nowhere near that. But it doesn't take much for that that to start to translate into in, back into club footy as well. Obviously, Tarpany is the big boy there now and Horsburgh is sort of pushing through where they're going to start to look at some other forwards with Goula sort of hitting his prime now. I just feel like it wouldn't be surprising to see Josh Papali sort of lose a lot of minutes and just be more of an impact player this year. So obviously, he's not a high draft pick or anything, but in terms of just someone I just will not touch. Uh, I'm just not that keen on, on taking Josh Papali in the draft, to be honest, uh, outside of like a, an injury type of player. Just in terms of performance, I just don't see you know him doing too much, to be honest.
2: Yeah, half the fun in draft is having guys on your team that you enjoy watching, guys that get the juices flowing, points, 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 points. It just adds value to draft every weekend. You're Brian Toz. Uh, for me, it's definitely Paddy Carrigan this year. I'm going to have him in my team, no fucking doubt about it. Uh, so I ask the boys, who's your man, cross? Who's the guy that you're going to reach for? Maybe give a little bit of a reach around. Someone that probably isn't going to be drafted at their value, but someone you just want in your team, and you're going to move heaven and earth to get him.
1: Blue! Yeah, so it's another front rower for me. Um Ooh. which um I know I said <laughs> earlier on that I would be avoiding front rowers early this year, but um I absolutely love Tohu Harris. Um I think I love this. In a in a position where there's very few like it, it's probably the only position that has like a decent number of dual position players, but even then there is still especially at the top end of the, like, in the top 10, there's very few gun front rowers that are actually dual position this year. Um, Tohu Harris, um, you know, his average isn't as high as someone like Tino, but Tohu Harris also has fewer bad games than most other front rowers, I think. Um, I think he's, like, one of the most consistent forwards in Supercoach. And... I just love the bloke. Plus, he plays for the Warriors, which you know are are a really hard team to to hate. Um, And I think he's the sort of beacon of consistency in that team. So, yeah, I I don't don't know quite how to explain it, but I just I have a real big soft spot for Tohu Harris, and I he's one of the few front rowers that I would um, break my rule and draft early.
2: Sure. Bro, hard for Harris. It's as simple as that. I love it.
1: (laughs) What a
0: great pick. This was my hardest one, to be honest. I try and look at everybody um, pretty objectively. Last year, I had a fuck ton of them. I love Staggs, Manu, Olokwatu. This year, it's probably Matt Burton.
2: Oh, yeah. Birdo.
0: Matt Burton at 5'8". It won't be the end of the world because I really love Adam Dewey as well. So, those two at 5'8". See five eight. Oh, I th- He's had the five eight rub the other day. I think it's actually a really deep position. I had Luai as a boom. I've got Dewey and Burton, who I love. I just mentioned Ezra as a good stack with Herbie. Yeah, but probably Burton. Burton's my target in the second round. I think.
4: Throbo. Woo. Throbo for the Cobo. I I am in love with Selwyn. Selwyn Cobo made me buy a Broncos membership a yeah, so, nice. So, and I'm a Cowboys fan, and I, I like I went to so many Broncos games last year when he was doing so poorly, uh, just to watch him play. I think it, what was it to start the season he had the most errors statistically mm. out of any player or whatever. But he was like the plays that were leading to those errors were world class. Like it was stuff like he was dro- knocking on the ball while putting the, putting it down for a try. After beating three blokes and running 50 metres. He yeah. was so good last year. Uh, I think he'll only get better. I'll, I'll draft him. I'll oh, fuck, I might draft him in round three if I have to. Yes. He has to be in my team. I drafted him in round five last year. I was that hot on him. Um, and I was really had an egg on my face for the start of the season when the scores just weren't coming. But I love him. I, I, he could literally be anything. And all this crap about... Oh, because he spoke on a podcast about Kevy and rah, rah, rah. If Kevy knows what's good for him, he's going to play him. He's going to, if he stays on that outside on the right, is that the plan with Stags? Yeah. I mean, Stags has to step up again. Inside them is Jordan Reiki. He surely has to step up this year. I think that that right edge at the Broncos with Reynolds leading it, fuck, who knows? Like, and with Cobo, Cobo finishing the tries, another year older, absolutely in my side.
5: Yeah, so I think on that note, you know, the Dolphins. I've just slagged one off. I'm a Dolphin man, so I'd have to say Tommy Gilbert. Uh, you know, just from a pure homer perspective, I think he's one of the only guys to look forward to watching from a a Dolphins fans perspective. A lot of upside there. I think he could uh, have a big workload. But in reality, from a draft perspective, Jaden Braley, I think he's one of the only 80-minute, genuine 80-minute hookers left. I think the Knights can improve a little bit. Um, he's second season back from an Achilles. Uh, yeah, love him. I'm trying to get him in most of my drafts.
3: Man, you got to have man in fantasy. No, you have best. to do it. It's the best. Anyone that, It is. Anyone that says that fantasy, you know, you shouldn't go with your heart picks, they're kidding themselves, mate. You've got to go it. Otherwise, you're sitting there watching your heart pick on someone else's team. There is nothing worse. Yeah, it's terrible. It's shocking, especially when they, if they blow up Deluxe as well. Mm. My man crush this year is by far Jeremiah Nani. Oh, the- wow. Okay. By Ooh. far. Okay. Yeah. I'm
2: so low on Jeremiah Nanai, so this is interesting.
3: I love it. I love it, mate. I love the fact that – and the stats – definitely back up what you say and I'm all about his value getting pushed down in in the community of Supercoach because
2: Licking your lips
5: I know
3: yeah I know that I'm sort of going against the grain with this one but I don't know I I guess I'm going against stats as well but this bloke in my opinion is just a freak he's a superstar player only super young and I just don't want to criticise him for being a rookie and having low base like I've seen the attack and I've seen the upside. There were games towards the end of last year, especially those that played classic. You know, every man and his dog was getting Jeremiah and I into their side. And I don't want to pass him over just because, you know, he only averaged 46 without without attacking stats. And yes, he only got nine tries off kicks and all that sort of jazz, 17 tries, most ever by a rookie or rookie forward. Um, I get that. And the fact that everyone's sort of passing over him is what makes him such a good value for mine. And if I was to say no to him on draft day and him just improve his base by five to ten points a game just in his second year from, you know, just getting a bigger body, more fitness, acclimatizing to the game, I've seen the tackle bust, I've seen the offloads, I've seen the aerial threat that he is, and I've seen the elite side that he plays in. Like he's just someone that I'm all about this year and – I'm just gonna keep beating the drum and uh well hopefully not too many people in my league listening, but I know they will be, but I'm happy to hear the hear him get pushed down in drafts because I'm all about him.
2: Mate, I will never push back on a back your gut call because that what is what draft is about. You if you got that feeling in your loins about someone and you fucking just go, right, I'm just I don't give a fuck what people are saying. I'm getting him in my side. I'm all about that. <laughs> Okay, rubbers. That stumps for the twenty twenty three weekly rub down around the grounds. Rub down, huge. Thank you to Tommy the NRL Don, Brian the NRL Physio, Wilson from Daily Telegraph, Simo for the best draft experts podcast, and of course Hito the Pest, uh, Listener League's champion from last year. Go follow, subscribe. Whatever you need to fucking do out there for these guys that are doing really good things in the Super Coach and NRL landscape. Love them to bits. So huge thank you again guys for coming on for the rubbers. I hope you really enjoyed that. Getting a bit of a different opinions uh and views coming up for this 2023 uh draft. Obviously it's good to have as much information at your fingertips as possible so you can make the best possible decision on draft day when the pressure is on but that's it for this podcast guys thanks for tuning in uh, keep an eye out and an ear out for the 2023 Listener League inductees. Walker and I have gone through all the sledges. They're all fucking fantastic, all hilarious. Uh, but we've picked our ten, our nine favorite to make a 10-man league. So we'll be putting that out on the socials later on tonight. Uh, so if you see your sledge up there on the socials, dm us and uh claim your spot in this year's listen league to go in for a chance to win five slabs of gage roads brew and of course bragging are beating the weekly rub down trust me we're going to be better for it this year there's no come and last we've taken this fucking serious anyway guys that's it remember there are many things man can do with his time this is better than those things all right you can take
4: me now I have
3: seen it all. get that into you Chad,